is Jared of the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. Joe Retro is so mad at me right now. I don't know how you can be mad at me. He just sent me another text, right? So we're talking about what Richard Matthews said about the once a week. Joe goes, this is hilarious. It's just like your desperate need for Lafleur to be an idiot who was really the problem. Now let's pile on Marcus. Two totally different things. I feel like the Packers win in spite of Lafleur. Although, <laughs> although if Lafleur keeps winning, if Lafleur keeps winning and Vrabel keeps losing, then I think I will have to to restructure my focus. What are they? Five and one. Uh, something like that. Yes. Thanks to the refs this week. Five and one. And all the other new coaches, none of them even have close to a winning No record. wide receivers. They're just putting up points left and left right. And I'm, and, not, right. and I'm not piling on Five and Marcus. One. I'm not. By the way, the defense is why the Packers are so good. It doesn't help the Titans, but it's one of the best. Five but, and one. But <laughs> I'm not piling on Marcus today. I think Marcus is a good quarterback. I think Marcus still has a career in the NFL. Maybe not as a franchise guy, but I think we'll see Marcus start games. Maybe not here, but we'll see Marcus start some games down the road. And But, you, I mean, I just when you add everything together with the leadership aspect that that Matthews brought up. Again, and I told you in the last hour, I'm, I don't believe in Tannehill yet. He wins the next two games. I think that team will believe in him. But that's – I'm not piling on Marcus. I'm not shifting the blame from one to the other. And as I said yesterday, strike two for John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. They said they were going to make this work. It didn't. Strike two. Now, Eddie George. <laughs> okay, Eddie George. I'm just looking at you laughing at me. <laughs> Eddie George. Yes, sir. On the Titans Blitz, which I just learned exists. The, I think they've been doing this for like three or four years. But apparently I just found out the show, The Titans Blitz. I just found out this is like a, a TV show that's on TV. And Eddie's like a co-host of it. Really? Yeah. Like the Eddie Lance, and who else? So Lance Smith, the guy who's like who's the pump-up guy in the stadium that's like, we got the higher or lower refrigerator, $800 higher or lower. Bing, bing, that guy. So that guy and Eddie host the, the Titans Blitz. So we cut this guy out for the most part and just left you with what Eddie said. And so Eddie was talking about the quarterback decision the Titans made last night on the Titans Blitz. This is what Eddie George had to say. Well, we knew why we brought him in this year. Um, and a couple of things. I think Marcus's, Marcus's confidence is down. Sure. Clearly. Uh, you don't go scoring, you know, almost 50 points against the Cleveland Browns to yep. nothing. Right. And it's all confidence-based. I think the offensive line is a bit in the flux. There's no chemistry there. Uh, bringing back uh, Taylor Lamar was a huge benefit, but they don't, they're not in sync right now. Right. And uh, I think we're seeing the growing pains of, of Arthur Smith, our offensive coordinator, who is not in sync with the offense at times. So, you throw all those factors in and the confidence of Marcus Mariota right now, unfortunately, he's the scapegoat. So that's what Eddie says, is that he thinks the confidence of Marcus is a problem. And then he brought up Arthur Smith. Now, I've heard a lot of fans call in and talk about Arthur Smith. I you know, I don't love some of these play calls. I think that some of these play calls are stupid. The one Deion Lewis running out like an Arena League football receiver. The fact that Deion Lewis even plays bothers me. And the fact that Dalen Dawkins is getting handoffs bother me. But Eddie brought up the growing pains of Arthur Smith. Do you think the offensive problems, that Eddie is right, 
that the problems offensively stem from from Mariota's confidence. We know that you think chemistry on the offensive line is a problem, as Eddie brought up. Uh, absolutely. And the growing pains of Arthur Smith. Are you willing to put Arthur Smith into the pile of things that right now are issues on offense? Well, I mean, Arthur's the coordinator. So whether he wants to or not, he gets thrown in. I know, but sometimes, you know, it's the coordinators. I, I don't know. I See, I, I don't know if you've noticed this. I've completely removed myself from any praise or criticism of Arthur Smith. You know, when they had the Cleveland game and everybody wanted to call up the day after they, they lit up Cleveland, said, Arthur Smith, amen. I said, hold up now. Like, let's let's watch some more games before we, you know, anoint him the next Sean Payton. Like, let's give it a, a, a rest here. And that's why I, I, I don't know if I can criticize Arthur because is it that the quarterback can't throw the ball five yards right now? Is it that the line can't block no matter what they try? I mean, they max protected the other day and got sacked. Well, I mean, uh, and this is crazy, I know, but uh, I heard, I want to say it was Boomer and Siason, but I'm not sure, but it was a veteran quarterback from years ago. And he was talking about playing against uh, Mac in Chicago. And he, and he said, I'm going to tell you what now, if I'm playing that team, I am making sure he has doubled every play. Which means if you're a quarterback – and you know what's going on, and you're a veteran quarterback, and you get up there and you realize you got a running back trying to block Mac. You go, whoa, 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 rip, rip, rip. We're changing this now. All you guys go over there and block him. I'll I'll make these other guys miss. And I'm never ever sure. I got the impression Marcus was good at that, was willing to do that, was, um, you know, that was one of his fortes. I mean, there are just too many times that we've seen, you know, a blitzer come free or a blitzer on us that we don't realize is coming or or any of those things. And that's not all his fault. I mean, I agree with what Tannehill said. Part of it's quarterback. Part of it's blitz pickup. Part of it's the offensive line. Part of it's the receivers not getting it. I mean, you know, everybody has to take their turn. So, I mean, I, I but I can't tell if what if a coordinator – I can't tell in this case if the coordinator is the problem or not with Arthur Smith. I mean, to me, I think Eddie has probably felt at times in his life when the coordinator was doing a good job and when the coordinator was doing a bad job. So I take Eddie's words with a lot of credence that Eddie throws Arthur Smith into the pile of what's going on here. But, I mean, I even asked Vrabel if he has had any problem with Arthur Smith uh, you know, because again, remember they brought Arthur in for the continuity aspect of Mariota, and here you are six weeks making a change, and this is what Vrabel said. You talked about being upset at yourself through six games, making this change when Arthur was was elevated to OC. A lot of it was because it was going to be continuity for Marcus. How do you feel about how Arthur has done through six games, and how do you feel Arthur will do with this change? Um, very confident in our staff. Um, and, and what they're teaching, um, you know, I'm, I'm in a lot of meetings. I'm in the offensive meetings, the defensive meetings. I go to the positional meetings. I enjoy that so that I can help when I can and I feel like there's something for me to add so I know, you know, how they're teaching and what they're being taught. And so, you know, right, right now to, to I don't want to evaluate anything after six games. You know, I just that's where we're at. So, Vray, I don't think Vrabel will ever tell the press that he's mad at a coach. 
<laughs> you know, so take that for whatever you Are want. Are you shocked at that? No. Oh, okay. So make that for whatever you want it to be. But I guess I'm just saying, you know, if Eddie's going to bring up Arthur Smith as an issue here, then I think Arthur Smith is certainly an issue. Marcus's confidence, I think, is totally an issue right now. Uh, I, I think the confidence is probably his biggest issue. And then I think the offensive line is an issue. Now, I don't know if that's that those guys are poorly coached, if they suck, or if they don't have the chemistry, or all three. Uh, and then Arthur Smith, I, I think Eddie put it all there. And, and when Vrabel says he's looking for a spark, I think that is the way of saying, look, it's not just a quarterback, but this is the move you can make to get yourself a spark. Making Deion Lewis the starting running back is not going to give a spark to the offense. No. I so mean, this quarterback, is the... Quarterback's the only position you're going to change to get a spark. Because, I mean, we just we just brought in the best left tackle in football, or one of the handful of best left tackles, and, you know, didn't get any spark there. So, <laughs> but, I mean, you change the, change the quarterback, you should get a little spark. Let's take your phone, 615-737-1025. Your thoughts on what Eddie said about the Titans quarterback change. Plus, Eddie offers up a comparison to Mariota that I wonder what Floyd thinks about. We'll get to that next as well. Jared and the GM live from the Wholesale Inc. studio powered by RumbleOn.com. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Uh, make your college football picks now for the three college football underdog teams you think will win this Saturday. Weekly winners will win a pair of tickets to an upcoming national sporting event or a concert. Hit up thegamenashville.com, the ESPN The Game National mobile app, and play now. Silly underdog picks sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game. The head coach looking for a spark. Sure. I and mean, that's what it is. He... He went to it. Once he goes there during the game, he knows the questions are inevitable. And ultimately, he decided to go ahead and make the change, go with Tannehill, give him an opportunity. But you saw he wanted to leave open the opportunity for Mariota at some point maybe to come back in. He tried to do it, you know, let him down gently, let him know, hey, we're making this choice. But, you know, maybe you can regain your confidence by sitting back watching a little bit. But it's going to be Tannehill's show for now. Jack Del Rio, a man who has benched many a quarterback in his life. Who, uh, you know, said, hey, he's looking for a spark, but he may go back to Mariota. Who knows? May have to go back to Mariota. And what's funny is this time last year, Jameis Winston was getting sat down on the bench. Twice. Right. And so here's Marcus now on the bench. And they've gone back to Jameis again. So who knows about that? Eddie, before we get to your calls, Eddie George had a comparison to Steve McNair with Mariota. Now, I remember this as a fan, but I don't remember this being his general manager. And luckily enough, you were. And so this is the comparison in terms of confidence. Now, I think you and I can both agree. Marcus's confidence is absolutely shot right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's shaky at best. It's awful. And Eddie went back to a time when Steve McNair went through this. Sometimes, you know what, it's okay. In 2000, Steve McNair kind of was going through the same thing. Okay. He got hit in the chest against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, Neil O'Donnell comes on. The crowd cheers because Steve is out because he wasn't playing it well. Steve didn't want to play football anymore. Really? Two weeks later, we yeah. go to Pittsburgh. Neil O'Donnell plays. Three quarters in, he gets knocked out. Steve comes in, throws the winning touchdown, he's back on track again. Right. So I say all that to say maybe... For Marcus, it's time to just take a reset, get reignited, reinvigorated. Yeah. And when he comes back out there, if and when that opportunity comes, he'll come back a different player. What do you think about that story that he told? Well, I mean, the story's true because Steve came to my office, you know, so we talked about it. Um, and and bottom bottom line is, and I told you this story before, I know, he couldn't breathe. He said, I couldn't breathe. 
He didn't talk about the pain, didn't talk about the hit, didn't talk. And I mean, he got hit. That was a shot. It was brutal. I mean, it's it's a shot that would have gotten that guy suspended nowadays. And and when when uh, when he was down there, he said, "I couldn't breathe," and that scared me to death. And I said, "Has it ever happened before?" No. I said, and I doubt it'll ever happen again. You know, so. We talked about it for a while. He said, okay, just chill for a while and let's see what happens. And fortunately for us, Pittsburgh came along and he went in the game and we were okay. Well, the getting cheered, though, when Neil O'Donnell went into the game because McNair came out, that sticks out to me because Eddie brought it up there. Chris Sanders brings that up a lot. And we know Chris and Steve were close and we know Eddie and Steve were close. So that tells me that that was something that bothered Steve McNair was the fact that those fans cheered when he got knocked out of that game and Neil O'Donnell went out. If 20 years later, both Eddie George and Chris Sanders are bringing that story up. Right, but I don't think it was because Neil came into the game. I think he thought it was because he got hurt. Right. And they were cheering his injury. And the one that he couldn't breathe in, he was scared to death. And I think that's that's what really kind of set him off. So I'm just saying that I, I do wonder if there's maybe some truth to this story that, or not some truth, but some similarity to the story that maybe Tannehill gets knocked out of a game. you got to go to Mariota. Mariota's got to go in there, win you the game, and like Eddie said, get you right back on track. I mean, I don't think any of us are expecting that right now. I don't think mentally we're thinking about, you know, but Tannehill has an injury history. Your line can't block. Tannehill gets knocked out of a game. What if they're down by three with four minutes to go and Tannehill gets knocked out of the game against the Chargers? That whole stadium's going to turn to half full stadium is going to turn to Mariota and be like, hey, Marcus, how you doing? Going to need you to to get out there and go win the ball game, Marcus. And it's one of those things that if he does it, you know, what does that mean? And I think that's the point Eddie was kind of trying to bring up there, sure. and I'm I'm open to it. I'm not again. I'm not uh, expecting anything's it. Anything's possible, but I think I'm open to it. Let's go to your phones six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Roger on Ryan Tannehill. Thank you for calling. What's up, Roger? Hey guys, this is true. Um, this is more for the GM. I want to talk about uh, Tannehill. I compare him to Jim Plunkett. Uh, he was number one draft pick. He was a bust. Everyone thought he was bad, and he gets traded to the Raiders, and he goes on to win a couple of Super Bowls. Um, we might have the same kind of scenario over here. Uh, what do you guys think? Talking about Tannehill or Marcus? They, Tannehill. Yeah. He, could be, he could be our Jim Plunkett. Um, people forget about Jim Plunkett, what he went through, uh, number one draft pick, and he was just a bust in New England. And then he went out yep. to greatness uh, when he got traded. Thanks, Roger. Uh, I think, I think was- and and when, when Jim was in New England, I mean, it was similar to what happened to Tannehill from the standpoint that – I mean, he just got beat up. You know, they were a bad team. And and he just kind of fit in as part of being, you know, being a part of that bad team. Uh, when he went to the Raiders, the Raiders had a little bit better team, and, and he just fit right into that too. But, I mean, is that possible? I think all these things we we're talking about are all possible. You know, it's a, it's a unique set of circumstances, and there's going to have to really be some – magic happen along the way but but all of these things are possible so i guess like i'm reading you know i get the media notes in front of me for this game and Tannehill has a half sheet uh, of paper mariota has in terms of his notes on mariota 
one, two, three, four, five, six, six and a half sheets. So Mariota's got six and a half sheets. Tannehill's got a half a sheet. You know, the, there are some stats that lead you to believe that Tannehill might be able to be successful. But there's also a lot of stats that make you think Tannehill's probably not going to be successful. Like Tannehill, for example, his career rating is as 87, his career quarterback rating. Mariota's career quarterback rating is a lot higher. And that's the thing that gets me is when you look at a lot of these stats of their first go-rounds, Mariota's stats are a lot better outside of the, the passing than Tannehill. Mariota's career rating is 89.6, Tannehill's 87. Mariota this year is 93.9. So, But I think that has to do with the fact that he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions, more so than it has anything else for Mariota. But, you know, I'm open to it. It's kind of like the Predators, you know, believe whatever you want to believe. Come playoff time, we'll see if they'll actually win the games or lose the games. And that's how I feel about Tannehill. If you want to believe that he is, I, I think the ceiling for Tannehill with this team is Tommy Maddox with the Steelers. You know, where he came in for Cordell, got him to the playoffs, was their starting quarterback. They drafted Ben. He got hurt, and they've had Ben ever since. That's, I think, the hope to me for Tannehill. Well, I think there's, I mean, there are a couple of things that would, if you're Tannehill, you have to be excited about. First of all, you know you have some talent at the specialist positions. And if you can just get the ball out of your hands and get it into theirs, I mean, there's no telling what they may do with it. So that part of it has to be exciting to to you. You're playing with a really good defense. I mean, if you you don't need to score a ton of points to win games, and and consequently this defense continues to play for you, then you know you just going out there and throwing a couple of a lollipops for touchdowns, and you know maybe you're winning. Um, you know, so you, you, I think you have to be excited about that. And, and the third thing is, I mean, I think he realizes that that his personality is going to be different than Marcus's and that may be good you know mm-hmm. his his experience and it sounds like his leadership traits you know might be something that guys on this team look at and go wow you know what you better do what what you're supposed to do he's going to rip you bill is up next on Ryan Tannehill what's up bill Hey, guys, just a couple quick comments. Uh, on Tannehill, in a quarter and a half, he was sacked three times and threw a goal line interception. So I don't really know if he's the answer, but I'm a casual fan watching most of the time, and I can guess 70% of the time what the Titans are going to do on offense. So you know somebody who studies the game and you know what play is going to come, you can beat them. Defense will beat the offense. Just your thoughts. Thank you. I don't believe in that. Like, I remember someone called Mike Malarkey one time on his coach's show and said, I can pick out the plays that you're calling from my couch. And I'm like, that is so dumb. Like, but there are times where I'm sitting there with the Titans play calling and I know they're going to hand the ball to Henry and they hand the ball to Henry and he loses a yard. You know, there are like, right. So, but I don't know how to like judge that more but, so I than mean, just yeah, the fans. I mean, that's, I knew they were going to run. Well, it's fifty-fifty chance to be right. That's it. They'll say they'll be sitting there and they'll go, "They're going to run." It's second and two. Really? I mean, is that going to surprise anybody? It's first and fifteen. I'll bet they pass. <laughs> you go, okay, fine. <laughs> I do think though there is some predictability sometimes with some offenses. 
There's, you, there's predictability in every offense. You brought up the skill position players with Tannehill, and I go back to this Tommy Maddox Steelers team. Remember the remember that those Steelers almost beat you in the playoffs if Joe Nedney doesn't fake getting hit by the guy from the Steelers to get you the rough in the kicker penalty. Way to go, Joe! And you win that playoff game and then get you know trounced in the AFC. But he had Heinz Ward and Plaxico Burris and Amos Zeraway and Jerome Bettis. I mean, they had a really good team. That Steeler team, that defense. I think was it uh, Watterson who Watterson threw the soup on Joey Porter or whatever. That was alleged. There's no, no one was convicted of any crime. I saw the video, Floyd. <laughs> I saw the video. I don't. Yeah, so I, I and I love Watterson, I but I, I saw the video now. I don't. I don't remember seeing it. <laughs> that Steeler team was dirty. And that's all I'm asking Blaine Gabbert to do is come in and fix this team like Tommy Maddox, who wasn't a great – did I say Blaine Gabbert? Ryan Tannehill. It's all I'm asking Tannehill to do is come and fix this team. Tommy Maddox wasn't a great quarterback. I just need him to be like Tommy Maddox. More on your phone, 615-737-1025, 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. As a starter, are you more outspoken? Do you, do you speak up and say things more? Do you, how do you handle that? transition uh, that goes with the job yeah no doubt i think just part of the the responsibility of backup is to, to kind of know your role and and navigate that through uh through meetings through time on the practice field and um you know sometimes I, you do have to hold your tongue and, and not speak up when you want to so um now i'm able to to really just be me uh, lead the way i want to lead and uh speak up and hold guys accountable that was ryan Tannehill yesterday Get into some of your tweets because I, you know, I've kind of been ignoring those and I need to not ignore those. Uh, talking about Tannehill, the leadership aspect, what he's going to bring. Again, 5% of me believes in Ryan Tannehill. The rest of me, uh, not so sure. Barry on Twitter says just because Tannehill might be a better leader doesn't mean he'll be a better quarterback. Correct. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, he got. I think there's two things here. One, Tannehill, I think we have to expect Tannehill to be essentially better win-loss-wise than he's ever been in his career outside of the 2016 season when they were 10-6. and six. But other than that, Tannehill's entire tenure uh, in the NFL, 7-9, and 8-8, 8-8, 6-10, 10-6, and 7-9. So that's what Tannehill was at Miami. Tannehill's going to have to be a lot better than that win-loss-wise to turn things around here, only because you literally have to go eight and two the rest of the way. Uh, but Tannehill's defenses in Miami were never really all that good. So you don't have to go out there and score 35 points in order for the Titans to win a bunch of these games. But at the same time, you know, he's the, the guy on Twitter's right. Like, just because you're a better leader doesn't mean you'll be the better quarterback. Well, I mean, that's absolutely right. But we were talking last year about how he and Marcus were very similar in a lot of ways, quarterback ways. You know, very similar in in uh, number-wise, very similar in, in skill-wise. Um, you know, probably had some of the same strengths and same problems. So if you just get what Marcus gave you, except you're not bouncing the five-yard outs, then, you know, you may get a ton. I mean, if you can just do two things, and I've always – if you're a quarterback, two most important things are make decision-making and accuracy. 
if you can just make the right decision and just put the ball on the receivers, let them do the rest. And they're going to have a chance to do that. So that at the end of the day, he may not throw passes down the field any more than Marcus does. He may not, you know, run for any more yards than Marcus does. But if he can just put the ball on the receivers and put it, get him, get it to him at a point where they can run with it and make something happen, who knows what the heck could happen? So you know, I think. I think that's that is what I'm looking for to be the primary difference. Let's go back. Oh, by the way, Keith on Twitter says the main difference I've seen between the two quarterbacks is Mariota stares down the rush and Tannehill keeps his eyes down the field and feels the rush. I don't know. I mean, to There's me, something to that. Mariota got sacked four times last week. Tannehill got sacked three. So it's not like Tannehill didn't get sacked. Now, maybe Tannehill will hold everybody more accountable or something like that, and the sacks will go away, which he seems very confident he can fix the sacks. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, again, we're, you have to remember where we were in the game. Every play was a throw in Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, and everybody in the stadium knew it. So that's a, that's a little bit of a different situation. But I understand what they're saying. Yeah. To the phones we go. Let's go to Steven, who's up next on the Titans. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Steven. Uh, hello, this is my first time calling in. I just cool. want to say I love the show. Thank uh, you. I <laughs> uh, had a quick question concern- for Jared concerning your approval of J-Rob um, and the Titans organization as a whole. Um, yesterday you were talking about how J-Rob basically has two strikes and you disapprove of him, but I was wondering, um, if you don't believe in J-Rob to pick our next court- uh, franchise quarterback, do you trust Amy to pick our next GM? Well, this is the tough part. Thank you for the call. And you're forgetting the Steve Underwood layer in all of that, too. I think Amy Adams Strunk will do whatever she thinks is best for the Tennessee Titans. And I, that is maybe the single best thing I can ever say about an owner, period. And I'm not here to kiss up to Amy because I've never worked for Amy. And the way that this radio show goes, I'm probably going to guess that I never will work for Amy. So uh, I don't have any – there's nothing – you know, if anything, I've given Amy a bunch of money over my lifetime, more than, than Amy will ever give us. And that's not, you know, it's just to say that I, I don't have any Kool-Aid that I have to drink. I think Amy Adams Strunk will do what is ever best for the Titans. And I think she has proven that since she has taken ownership of the team. But that doesn't mean that every decision you make is going to be the right decision or even the wrong decision. I mean, Jay Robb could go out there and swing a deal for a quarterback next year, and it can be like the Saints getting Drew Brees. Nobody thought when the Saints signed Drew Brees before the 2006 season, nobody thought that they were getting a guy who was going to be their Super Bowl-winning quarterback for the next 13 years. I know you didn't think that because you thought about signing Drew Brees. And so, like, you never know these kind of things. Um, I mean, I I said I don't necessarily trust John Robinson right now to pick the next quarterback. But I'm resigned to the fact that John Robinson will be picking the next quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, whether I like it or you like it or not. He will pick the next quarterback of the Titans. And you just have to hope that he's right. I mean, there's no doubt he'll he'll do the picking. You know, you just don't know who's going to be there or when, if, can you. I mean, there are so many variables. And it's like, you know. So many. I mean, how many starting quarterbacks did you have, like true starting quarterbacks when you were the general manager of the Oilers and the Titans? You had, was Warren Moon still the quarterback when you took over? Warren Moon was there 
for a year. Okay, so you had Warren Moon, and then you had Cody uh, Carlson. Carlson. Well, I mean, and then McNair. Damn, you know, well, like Chris like if I'm a fan, yeah, but Chandler was like a a, a band aid guy Stop to McNair. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm a fan, and I'm on the radio, would I not be like, how in the heck am I going to let Floyd Reese? Pick the next quarterback of my team when he went from Warren Moon to Cody Carlson. I mean, and there's no offense to Cody Carlson, but like I'm just saying, you know, that's probably how I would have felt then. And Steve McNair is a borderline Hall of Fame NFL player. And then you picked Vince Young, and we all know how that worked out. Right. Now, in hindsight, with a lot of Marcus and a lot of it is crazy to think how much Marcus how much more Marcus has played than Vince in his career, and how much Vince won compared to Marcus. You know, Vince, in spite of all of his faults, won a lot of games, which I I think is one of the things that if there was anything to back Vince Young when he was here, it was, hey, at least Vince wins games. But, you know, so I mean, like, and John Robinson didn't pick this quarterback, although I don't give him any credit for that or any, you know, uh, lack of blame for having not picked this quarterback. But I've just... Resigned to the fact that J-Rob's going to pick the quarterback, whether you like it or not, and so you just have to hope that he picks the right quarterback. And it could be in free agency. It could be in the draft. It could be, you know, it, it could be Tannehill. It's not, but it could be Tannehill. Let's go to Brandon, who's up next. Thank you for calling. What's up, Brandon? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Love the show. Thank you. Uh, just two things. Would we be better sitting here with Gabbert? I mean, just think about it. We could be sitting here last year sitting in the same situation with Blaine Gabbert. I don't think we'd be anywhere better. And um, what college quarterback do you think realistically we could be looking at next year anyway at all? I'll hang up. Listen, thanks, guys. Thank you. I don't understand the point of the Blaine Gabbert question. I think his point was we we could have Gabbert as the backup instead of Tannehill. And Which, that would be worse or better, or what's the? It would certainly be worse. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I always felt like always one of the reasons like... last year when Marcus had these games where he couldn't throw, one of the reasons that kept Marcus in the game was there was literally nobody to put in. I mean, it's like you want to take him out, you turn around and you're like, never mind. I mean, you, now you turn around and there's a legitimate starting NFL quarterback there. Uh, college quarterbacks in the draft. Oh, I, I have no. I mean, they're. You know, there's probably ten names you could throw out there. Now, where they rank, how they rank, all those kinds of things. I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows yet. I mean, let's just take Tua off of you know the to take him out of the mix because you're never going to be able to draft Tua. You've already won two games. That may be too many games to win that would keep you from being able to draft Tua. Other than that, I I don't know any of these guys. Like I don't really think much of Fromm, but well, I don't. But how am I supposed to know what Fromm will look like? Yeah, in the NFL see, you offense? know, I mean, we know who a bunch. Like I said, a bunch of these names. You know, Fromm, the kid at Oregon, the kid. There, there are a number of players that are going to be out here. They're going to have good names that maybe have had great careers. You know, one of them very likely going to win the Heisman. You know, Hurts. What is he? All of a sudden, do you say if he wins the Heisman, are you in love with him? And and I think it's going to take a lot. And and the other thing, you know, when you're looking for a quarterback, is it going to do you any good if you're picking at 17? I don't know. You know, there may not be anybody there worth picking. I mean, this time last year, was anyone talking about Daniel Jones? Like, uh, Kyler? 
Was anybody talking about Kyler at this point last year? Daniel Jones as far as draft candidates? I mean, right now, I think the draft candidates, I think there's five that are the guys that are talked about. And I don't know if any of these guys are any good. You got Tua, Jalen Hurts, Jake Fromm, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Then the other side of that is, how are the fans here going to feel if the Titans take the quarterback from Oregon? You know, you just took a quarterback from Oregon, and now how are the fans going to feel about a quarterback from Oregon? And then on top of that, there's always going to be a guy from some little-known school that you probably don't even know yet who will work their way into the discussion, oh, i.e. Josh Allen well, yeah, or Daniel kid, uh, Jones where? or Utah Blake State, Bortles I think or Jordan Love. Killing it, yeah. He's killing it. So, you know, there's another name for you. I but, mean, you took a quarterback out of Alcorn State, so everything... I mean, to me, it's way too early to talk about that. Although, if we were ever going to get Mel Kuyper on the show, this would be the time to get Mel Kuyper on the show. Back to your phones next, 615-737-1025. We have not gotten to this because when the Titans make a quarterback change, that is usually the single most important thing going on, and we've been doing that for three days. But Floyd's quick thought on the Jalen Ramsey trade. How stupid are the Rams? We'll get to that next, and then we're right back to your phones. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. I don't think it's much of an impact this year, just this year. And the reason I feel that way is because that's not the problem with the Los Angeles Rams right now. Obviously, the game they gave up of 55 to Tampa, that was an aberration, but that was something to be alarmed about. Uh, but the real issue with the Los Angeles Rams is their running game. The fact of the matter is you got the 22nd-ranked Russian attack with Todd Gurley a bit hampered, not 100%. That is the thing that is plaguing this franchise right now. If you had a running attack with the 6th-ranked passing attack and the kind of things that Gurley's presence, when productive, elevates Jared Goff to, elevates Sean McVay to because it gives him more options, that pretty much offsets anything they're throwing your way. At the end of the day, even if their defense improves, I don't expect it to have much of an impact on the franchise because it's about their offense. If your offense isn't productive enough, it doesn't matter. Sean McVay's teams are not going to beat you with their defense leading the way. There you go. Stephen A. talking about the Jalen Ramsey trade. Floyd, I cannot understand what the Rams are thinking by making this trade for Jalen Ramsey, which they made. Quickly, we'll get to that, then back to the Titan calls. What did you think of the Jalen Ramsey trade? Jalen Ramsey to the Rams for two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick. Uh, And the Rams will now go no pick in 2017, no pick in 2018, no pick in 2019, no pick in 2020, and no pick in 2021. Yeah, they, um, you know, it's been interesting what they've done over the last week or so. I mean, for all of a sudden... They've gotten into, you know, they traded away Peters, and then they traded for a center, uh, and then it seems like there was something else in there, and then they and then they traded for Ramsey. Um, so they're revamping, they're doing a lot, um, and and I think getting rid of Peter, Peters kind of told them, hey, well, we've got to get a cover corner in here now. They paid mightily, you know, two firsts and a fourth. That is that's a load. Um, so Jacksonville's got to be thrilled, and and but they're getting a quality guy now. You know, there's no we, but worth we, oh, two no. first round picks. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I don't think I would have paid it. But in their mind, they're saying, hey, you know what? We're just a player away. We're just um, now. I don't. I'm I'm kind of like Stephen A. from the standpoint that. I'm not sure that team has a chance to go anywhere if they can't run the ball. 
because we see what's happened to the quarterback. I mean, a quarterback is non-existent, and the reason he's non-existent is because the running back's not playing or not playing good. And so, you know, the fear of running the ball is gone. So now all of a sudden all those play-action passes and, and things you were doing to get great protection are now gone. And so he's getting beat up, and, and you know, I think he threw for whatever it was, 80 yards or something last week. I mean, it was criminal. Well, and they're in trouble in their division. Because San Francisco and Seattle oh, look to be San Francisco's going, wow. pull, pulling away. Yeah. And this is my thing. How are they going to be able to afford Gurley, Golf, Donald, and Ramsey all at the same time? Plus, Ramsey now has every tool in the toolbox in terms of negotiating a contract because the Rams gave up two first-round picks oh, in order to get him. He's got all the leverage in the world. So I mean, how he, are they going to pay all of these guys? I have guys? no idea. But he'll be able to literally name his contract you know what he wants and and if he was wanting i have no idea what the numbers are but you know if he was wanting 15 million a year a week ago well now he wants 18 million or 19 million a year when you add in ramsey's 2020 player option five players on that team equate for a hundred and eight point seven five million dollars five players and plus, I mean, do you really need to give golf all that money you gave golf? Doesn't look like it right now. Not right now. I mean, maybe the best thing in the world that you didn't do what the Eagles and the Rams did with their quarterbacks because they, oh, we got to pay them, got to pay them. And now you pay golf and he might look like a pumpkin. They jump out there and, and you know, they're going to do kind of like what Boyle can do, but he's in a different sport, of course. But. You know, you're going to jump out there and pay this guy because we'll get him a little bit cheaper than we will later on. It never, very, very seldom works out. Well, we can't get Matt Deshane, so let's sign Kyle Turris. How's that working out? Okay, yeah, let's just go pay for Deshane. Let's go to your phones on the Titans. 615-737-1025. Cedric has a Ryan Tannehill take. (laughs) Cedric, go ahead. Hey, Jared. Since Ryan is now a starting quarterback, can you start referring to him as Ryan like you did Marcus? I mean, can we get some love affair going on the way no. you did with the – No, Ryan well, Tannehill is renting the starting quarterback position. Well, so was that bum. But, uh, it, no, oh, he anyway. wasn't. He owned it for five, for four and a half Damn. years, and now it's somebody else's. It's going to be somebody else's next year, and it's not going to be probably Ryan Tannehill's. And if it is, he'll be renting it for somebody else still. Mariota must have pictures on every one of you guys at 1025. Because y'all, man, I'm telling you. Floyd hates him. I don't mean Floyd. Floyd's the only legit guy there that's giving me a real take. Y'all have this love affair with the Anyway, Jay, let me get to my call, man. Floyd said something a couple of years ago we had DeMarco Murray that I thought was very interesting because I'd never heard this, that DeMarco Murray was helping Mariota with the protections, and that was the year he took the least amount of sacks. Now, you get rid of him, and his sack numbers go up. He was sacked nine times uh, either last year or the year before last, um, and, and his sack numbers continue to go. I think Ryan Tannehill, his veteranness, his, his ability to get the offensive line in the right protection, get the ball out a little bit quicker, should decrease the number of sacks that that offense is getting. If you look at Ryan Tannehill's numbers, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't think he – I mean, he, he takes sacks, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he gets sacked at the clip that Mariota was getting sacked post-DeMarco Murray. Floyd, can you touch on that, please? Thank you. 
You know, I, I mean, I think it's a good point. And, and again, I think this is just a step that that goes back to, you know, how much DeMarco Murray meant on, for this team. I mean, it was just incredible what he did from running ball, running the ball from a protection standpoint, which he was exceptional, and from a receiving standpoint. I mean, we we forget what a good receiver he was. Um, so he 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 has been he was special for us, and and um, and you know, Mark, you could see there was a lot of communication there, and I think the same thing is true with Ben Jones. I think my my gut is that this guy. That Tannehill is going to have this stuff down pretty well because, generally speaking, throughout the league, you know, all of these protections are kind of the same. They're just called different things. So he's got to, you know, get all the lingo down, which he should have down. And now it's a matter of him just going out there and keeping in mind which which protection is going by what name. Doug is up next here on the quarterback situation. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Doug. All right. Thanks, guys. I just wanted to say I think we finally come to the conclusion that the starting quarterback definitively is not on the Titans roster. Thank goodness. Uh, The question becomes, who is it? And I think we're also, as you guys just mentioned earlier, realizing that Titans probably aren't going to be high enough to pick one of the top QBs in the draft. Uh, But if you look around the NFL, some of the QBs that are starting right now we're backups for a while. I think the two best examples are Jimmy G and Brissett, uh, both at uh, New England. And if you look around the NFL right now, uh, Kyle Shanahan's the best example. He's keeping three QBs the first time he's ever done that in his entire career as a coordinator or head coach. Uh, could the starting quarterback for the Titans be on another roster right now? And if so, what roster might that be? I'll hang up. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the call, Doug. I mean, I think it's certainly possible, yes. Now, I, I don't know who it would be. You're going to have to wait and, you know, get all those names and analyze them. But, uh, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that we've seen, you know, for example, with um, with backup at New England. You know, they've they've gone to teams throughout and, and started some and then ended up backups, but they all end up playing, or a lot of them end up playing. Uh, and I think that that we'll find there's going to be a number of guys out there. The question is going to be the same, which is how many jobs are out there? How much are you going to be willing to pay? Because if there are a lot of jobs and a lot of um, a lot of players, well, of those lot of players, there's going to be one or two that everybody's going to really like, and you're probably one of those teams that's going to want like them to want them to. And uh, and you've got to decide on how much you're willing to pay because they'll be, depending on who it is, they're going to be teams out there that will pay a fortune. And it may not work out at all, but they'll still pay a fortune. And are you willing to compete at that level? Yeah, I mean, to me, you can find a starting quarterback any which what way. I will say this. I think the thing that's worked for Brissett, Garoppolo, some of these other quarterbacks is when you're not drafted number one, the fans aren't demanding that they see that quarterback. The owner is not demanding to play that quarterback. So what used to happen when you would get a guy and put him on the bench, they don't do that anymore. And I think that does hurt some of these young quarterbacks where some of these other guys are able to succeed because they're able to sit as a backup without the attention, without the microscope, without, and they get to watch how Phillip Rivers or how Tom Brady or how whomever deals with the spotlight 
and then they know what to expect when they're put into that position. Uh, and I think that a lot of young quarterbacks don't get that anymore. I, mean, I think Jameis Winston is an example of a guy who probably should have sat the bench. How much better could Jameis have been with two years of nobody bothering him and Jameis just holding the clipboard? But you don't get that when you're a first pick. But you do get that when you're a fourth pick and you're on the team for a couple years and then you finally get a chance and sometimes you just suck and sometimes you don't. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. More your phones. Plus, does Mariota have a realistic shot to win the job back this year? Plus, what one Hall of Fame quarterback thinks of Mariota and his demotion. We'll get to that next. Jared of the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game.